Welcome to the Conference of Consulting Actuaries Leadership Development Podcast. This podcast is designed to provide actuaries with leadership skill development through thoughtful and engaging interviews from leaders within the profession. Tune in to gain new insights that will help you as you look to develop or refine your leadership skills and become a more successful professional. Excellent. Thanks, Shannon. And thanks, everyone, for joining us today. Uh, my name is Michael Clark. I'm a past president of the Conference of Consulting Actuaries and a managing director at Agilis based in Denver, Colorado. Uh, on our leadership development interview series today, uh, I'm pleased to welcome Riddy Patel uh, to, to, to our podcast. Riddy is currently the director of retirement programs at the Walt Disney Company. Prior to joining Disney, she was the director of benefits at AT&T, where she focused on their health and welfare plans. She started her career as an actuary, working for Mercer and WTW. And uh, last but not least, Riddy is also the current president of Abacus Actuaries, which we're going to talk more about on today's podcast. So Riddy, thanks for joining me. Happy to be here. Um, well, let's I'd love for you to take a few minutes and just talk about your career path, obviously listed off kind of where you, what your background has been and what you've done work-wise. Um, I'd love for you, especially to talk about what led you to go from working at a consulting firm to working in-house for two very large corporations. Yeah, happy to. So I, um, I heard about the profession when I was a junior in high school um, and it just became this opportunity to uh, do what I loved, which was math and maybe more so the applied mathematics side um, and, and use that interest of mine without having to go to med school is like the stereotypical, um, you know, Asian household where I was told that I was going to be a doctor from like uh, infancy. And so it was like, wait, there's this whole other profession in which I could um, apply my interest and aptitude for mathematics in a professional setting and in a business setting, not necessarily um, uh, not just being a teacher as an example, which I also had contemplated. Um, but yeah, and I chose, um, so I studied, I picked UT Austin as my um, college because of their strong program, um, interned in, in insurance, consulting, ultimately chose consulting because I wanted that more business application um, and was seeking kind of the variety of work. Um, and I've always been uh, kind of a curious person, getting bored easily. And so again, consulting provided that variety. Um, and I, I knew at some point I wanted to jump around, so I started in the pension, um, field, um, but I knew I wanted to, you know, maybe work abroad and do international or do healthcare. And, and I had this vision that I would be a consulting actuary for my entire career, become like a client relationships manager down the road. Um, and so when I think I was like a year into my international benefit stint, that an old, uh, a fellow Longhorn reached out and he was at ETT. He'd just gotten promoted, was looking to build his team, remembered interacting with me during like recruiting in college and asked if I'd join. And I kind of grappled with it because I was like, well, no, I wanted to stay in consulting. I think it's much more, um, uh, much more interesting. And uh, ultimately kept kind of thinking about it and decided to make the, the leap to corporate um, because it, it did allow me to continue kind of growing. So, you know, what AT&T provided at that time was, you know, a new subject matter expertise. I'd never done health and welfare benefits before. Um, and also just that, that corporate setting. I think I was, you know, curious, 
to see what that would look like. I had to change, like move to another city, a new company and culture. But um, but yeah, so I, I did just end up making that decision to, to jump to AT&T, um, was doing health and welfare design, got a lot of experience. I'd say, you know, I know we'll talk about this later, but um, we're talking about leadership development. I think a lot of my leadership was skills were developed during my time at AT&T. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity um, to apply for a job at Disney. Um, and I think it was kind of continuing that spectrum of just expanding my skill set. I've never done operations or administration work before. Um, and so it allowed me to do that while still leaning on my, you know, pension background. So I knew that I would add value to the organization fairly quickly because of that. Um, and, and so I've been with the Walt Disney Company for about a couple of years. And it also allowed me a little bit of a reset. And um, right around that time, I had made this intention to give back I've always volunteered and I wanted to give back to the community um, in some form or fashion and it had been kind of, it had, I paused on it during COVID um, and I realized that I could have a bigger impact in the actuarial community and um, Ealing, who I know is a CCA member as well, had reached out saying, you know, would you be willing to purchase, you know, join Abacus Actuaries, this is the idea and, you know, kind of joined forces and um, ended up being the inaugural president of Abacus Actuaries and did a lot of work the last year and a half to get it off the ground, which I know we'll talk about. So yeah, that's that's kind of my journey um, as far as my career goes. No, that's excellent. I, I want to hit on something you said because I'm, I'm curious to dive into this a little bit deeper because I'm sure others have this question too. Um, you mentioned you always knew you were going to jump around and do different things. Did you ever have any concerns that, oh, if I do that, is that going to limit how far up I might be able to move through the ranks, right? Because if you're jumping from one thing to the next, it's not like you're going to be, you know, if you reach the, you know, a top senior consultant level in one field and then decided to move to another, you're not necessarily going to get that same type of role. I'm, I'm curious how you thought about that. Yeah, I was very intentional on, so I was always ambitious. That's a trait that I had early on in my career, like very ambitious. And so, I was very intentional as far as what I, the energy I put out there, I was very authentic in, in my ambition. I had managers recognize that. Um, and so for me, I don't think I ever doubted that it would impact my career simply because I wouldn't have let it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so if anything, I, I had seen, in, at least in the retirement consulting space, you could become a subject matter expert and you're kind of like pigeonholed. And I felt like I did not want to be pigeonholed um, and that would actually hinder my career more than jumping around. Um, the one time it did impact me is I think that you have to be intentional in what you want because if you tell someone, I want to do ALM projects and I want to do you know, NDT, and I want to do, um, you know, if I wanted to do global accounting or international, or I'm interested in health and welfare price, like claims cost analysis, like now someone doesn't know where to put you. Um, and so you almost have to be consistent with what you wanted. And that was a lesson in like not, you know, asking for too many projects or too, too various, like, or diverse projects could also hurt you and that people don't know which one they want to put you in. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I mean, it goes back to the idea of you being your own best advocate, right? Something that I uh, I like to talk about. Um, 
when we start talking about year-end reviews and things with people is that you, you have to be able to communicate out there, this is who I am and this is what I want. Um, so I love that you said that because I think that's very consistent with a lot of different things in terms of someone's professional development and career development. Um, so having worked at consulting firms, having now worked in-house, how would you compare and contrast those experiences? So a few ways. I think one that was pretty clear evident when I joined um, AT&T is it really felt like consulting was more of a meritocracy. So you and your pay was very well defined. So you build a certain number of hours, you had a goal, 75% of your bonus was attributable to how many hours you build, and then maybe 25% was set to you know, any non you know, projects that you might have had in house um, and developmenting or developing your own skills and, and et cetera, et cetera. And so all of a sudden, nothing was well defined. And your performance was really based on the perception of others' perform, like others' viewpoint of your performance. And so you could be doing a ton of work, but if no one knew about it, you're not going to get credit. And so I think just that really distinct delineation between I know exactly what I need to do to get my bonus versus I don't know and I need to I need to impress people is, is very different um, in the in the corporate space I found out and then um, and then also you know in in consulting because it's well defined you focus on your own performance a lot more. So here's what I need to do to excel. Here are the competencies to get to the next level. And I need to do this project. I need to do that project. I need to build these many hours. There might be in some situations people taking work from you because they want the hours or they want the opportunity. Um, and in corporate, I found out that the team and the performance of your team is almost more impactful than your performance. Um, and so that was another delineation where, you know, consulting that I found really negative saying this, but you might have a, a poor performer on your client team and you're like, ah, oh, so-and-so is just like not meeting like the mark and you start complaining to their boss or, you know, your project lead, et cetera. And, and I found it in corporate, no one was really bad mouthing each other because ultimately, especially if it was someone on your own team, you wanted, you know, you're representing, they're representing you as a team member or you as part of this collective team. And so you wouldn't want to put down your peers because um, they represent you just as much as they represent themselves. Um, and then I think the last shift was just, a, and I think it depends. I, this was just my time at um, AT&T and I, I try to embody this now still is just that showing of appreciation. I don't, you know, I think when I first moved over to corporate, it's like, you know, you get asked to, to run this, these numbers and you run some financial analysis and it's like, oh, thank you so much. This is such a good job um, that you did. And I was like, wait, I just did what you told me to do. Like, I just did my job. And I think that was a shift too, where in consulting, it felt like, hey, I'm telling you to do this, so you do it. And that's the expectation. And in the corporate setting, it was just, it, there felt that, there was a lot more appreciation of the efforts that you were doing, even if it was part of your job description. It probably makes a difference too that in the corporate setting, right? You're bringing a different skill set to the table, whereas in consulting, everyone more or less there's there's quite a bit of overlap in skill sets. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yes. No, I think that's that's very insightful, and it may 
people that are listening to to our podcast, some of them might be like more curious now, and others might be very comfortable with where they're at <laughs> based on uh, on your take on it, which which is totally fine, right? That's that's good yeah. that there's options for people. Um, so you did mention the the this idea of moving around in your career. You've already done that several times. Where do you see your career going long term? So I think. It's funny because I think I was very ambitious, wanting to jump around a lot earlier in my career. Um, I think as I've entered now, like in my late 30s, it's it's one thing that I do know about corporate is that I, and I didn't mention this earlier, but I really got more a sense of fulfillment out of the work that I was doing. So one of my favorite projects to date is still um, building the business case to add fertility benefits to AT&T's medical program. And that was, you know, one impactful because I happened to be a female in my 30s that wasn't planning on having children anytime soon. And knowing that, you know, there is this, the science says that the likelihood of me having a healthy pregnancy becomes harder and harder the older I get. And so there is this personal um, challenge, but then it was, you know, building the case, hey, I'm going to my leadership and asking for money. Um, to add this extra coverage to our plans and was able to do it. And then you see the, the numbers after the fact. So it's not that you just do the financial analysis. You, you do the financial analysis, you pair it with other data points, you build a story, you pitch it, you get it approved and then you implement it. And then after the fact, it's like 350 people use this benefit the next year after it was launched. And just the impact that, that the work that I did had on other people's lives, I think really, um, connects me to, and it took me a few years to figure it out that this was, this job in the benefits, corporate benefits space, uh, truly aligned with like my kind of sense of purpose and, and fulfillment. Um, and so it's like this alignment of, I have these analytical skills, I have these, you know, leadership skills, presentation skills, whatever you want to say. Um, and then I'm able to use those to then help other people. Um, and so I, I'm, really content in, you know, where I am right now, but I could see myself just because, again, that ambitious voice in my head creeps in every now and then that I could continue down that kind of total rewards um, trajectory. And so probably stay in HR um, and, uh, ex you know, move up, move up in that space maybe uh, at some point in the future. You're not looking to replace Bob Iger anytime soon? <laughs> no, no. Definitely not. That sounds way too hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, one other question along these lines is just because you do have such an interesting career path so far, what advice would you give to someone that's that's contemplating you know, where they want to go with their career? Maybe they started off as an actuary in a specific practice area doing a specific thing, and, and they're trying to figure out essentially where do they want to go for the next 10, 20, 30 years? What advice would you give somebody today? Um, know your strengths. I think a lot of times, and I'm guilty of it because I was very competitive, um, where you start comparing yourself to others and you focus on your shortcomings. But I think that when you recognize what strengths and the value that you bring to the table, it totally changes the dialogue. And now you're seeking those opportunities that fit your um, your skill set and also your interests, right? So I think it's knowing your strengths, knowing your interests, and seeking those opportunities um, mm -hmm. that can help you fulfill those. 
And I'll add one other thing too, based on what you said. I loved what you said, by the way. And uh, but I think the other thing, and you touched on this as well, is understanding what what motivates you, mm -hmm. right? You know that that's a that's an important piece to try to find that fulfillment, right? That long term fulfillment. Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. For more insights from the Conference of Consulting Actuaries, including webinars, meetings, and community discussions and events, check out our website at www.ccactuaries.org and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Are you enjoying this content? Consider participating in CCA's leadership development community to continue the discussion and share insights from this podcast. You don't have to be a CCA member to join. Just reach out to CCA staff to get started.